0: Galatians chapter 6 if you have your Bibles. We've been in a series called Overflow taking a look at the abundance of God being poured out on our life. How many of you are tasting of the abundance of the Lord in your life? Amen. Amen. A few of you, the rest of you will catch up, that's good. That's your, Today's a good day to be here. It's awesome. We've taken a look, the first sermon, we took a look at the blessing of the Lord on our resources. The blessing that comes as we honor the Lord with our wealth, with our first fruits, with the best, the choicest portion. We honor Him and He blesses us. We took a look at our God who is a happy God. Everybody say, He's blessed. He's blessed. That word blessed is He's happy. He's happy. The happiness of God can consume you today. Amen. And last week we took a look at feasting on the fruit of faith. We want to feast on the fruits of faith. It is out of faith and by faith that we are sustained. Amen? It is out of faith and by faith we are sustained. And today we're going to jump in. We're going to take a look at the seven laws of harvest today. And I just want to, I really want to take just a practical approach to, to the harvest, spiritual harvest, supernatural harvest. You know, everything that we do bears consequences, if you have one of your children sitting by you hit them real good and they're yeah right everything we do everything we do bears consequences everything that we do and you know oftentimes we think about that in the negative you know right now we're teaching Zoe about consequences she has a book that is called love is not rude but she gets it backwards and calls it rude is not love and so we we talk about which is true too um But we talk about the consequences of being rude, that she's got to have the right attitude. She's got to be obedient. She's been, oh, bless the Lord, she's been learning about obedience lately. (laughs) It's funny how much the children, you know, they they really do mirror us, right? You know, they really do mirror our stubbornness and our We see it right right smack dab in the face when we have those kids. But anyway... uh, that's not, she's not mirroring me. I'm a sweetheart. She's mirroring her, her stubborn mother. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Mama's not here, so I get to just pick on her while she's not in here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we, and, and so we've been teaching her about consequences, and we think about that a lot of times in the negative, but our choices can have consequences that are positive as well. Amen. There's, there's positive results. To the God choices that you make. Well, amen. That's good preaching. There's there's positive choices to to the choices. If you sow to the Spirit, we're going to read this in a moment. But if you sow to the Spirit of the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. If you sow to the Spirit, let's read it. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't be carried off. In other words, don't be carried off by deception. You know, the Bible talks about in the last days there will come a lot of deception. People will be deceived. And boy, boy, do we see that. And, and with regards to what you sow, there's a lot of deception out there these days. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Why? Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. This is a law that is in effect that you cannot escape. Whatever you sow, there will be a harvest on that seed. So God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. I have to apologize to my wife who just came in. Just listen to the podcast later, much later. For, for, for whatever it will. For whatever I'm learning about sowing and reaping right now. Whatever the, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For if he sows to his flesh, of his flesh he will reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So when you make choices, when you sow seed... Whether this is a financial seed, whether this is a seed of what you say, your words, maybe it's a seed of your action. Whatever seed you're sowing, if it is into the spirit, if it is a spiritual seed, if it's a godly seed, it's going to produce godly fruit. It's going to produce eternal fruit. But if, you are, if you're sowing seed to the flesh, maybe it's wishful thinking, maybe it's trying to find success in your own endeavor, maybe it's trying to produce fruit in your own strength. Whatever the case is, if you're sowing to your flesh, you're going to reap corruption. You're going to reap destruction, but if you're sowing to the Spirit of the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. And so I want to take a look today, like I said earlier, a practical approach to spiritual laws or laws of the harvest. Number one, law number one, we reap only what we have sown. We will reap only what we have sown. We've talked about choices. Some choices we make are simple choices. They're limited, the effects of those choices. What toothpaste am I going to use today is a very simple decision that has sort of limiting effects, you know, could affect those around you. But... Limited effects, other choices like career or whether you'll speak words of life or whether you'll gossip or you'll build someone up or tear them down. Those types of choices, sowing those kinds of seed, whether you will take that $10 and spend it on a Big Mac and fries and Coke and smoothie, whatever thing, other thing you want to clog your arteries with. Whether you sow it into that or you sow that $10 into the kingdom of God, those types of decisions have larger, much longer lasting effects. We can all think of many examples of how we sow seed and the results that come. I want to talk to you today about these choices. This isn't necessarily to intimidate you about your choices. We know that as believers, that as we sow to the Spirit, we are what? We are reaping spiritual results. Amen. I'm going to say that again. As we sow into the Spirit, we are reaping those spiritual results. Ephesians 5, verse 15 says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Be watchful, be mindful of how you live, of how you walk, not as unwise men, but as what? As wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So you are aware, you're conscious, you're alert of how you're sowing your life. Your life is a seed sown, scattered by the heavenly farmer, God himself. You have been scattered into this world as seed. Your life is a seed. And Paul tells us that we need to be careful. We need to be watchful of how we invest our lives. Psalms 90 verse 12, David said, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Lord, teach us. Give us wisdom on how to invest, how to sow our lives. Give us direction on how to sow our time. Give us direction on how to sow our resources. Give us direction on how to sow our words. Maybe we May we be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to anger. You know, we are the oftentimes the benefactors. That's a that's a good word for sowing and reaping. We're the benefactors of other people's decisions, of other people's choices. The, the benefactor, when I think of benefactor, a lot of times I think of life insurance policies. Because when you sign all those papers and you do all those tests, you have to, what, name your benefactor. Who's going to get the blessing of your sowing? You're going to give so much a month to that life insurance policy. Who's going to get the blessing if you die? <laughs> right? Right? If, if my wife may up my life insurance policy later today. We'll see how that <laughs> sowing and reaping goes. <laughs> if I don't come back from Florida, a shark didn't eat me because I didn't get in the water. <laughs> Just telling you now. There's positive, right? There's positive benefactors, positive results. We've, we have received grace from God freely. Each of us have received free grace from God. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There was nothing that we did to obtain it. God, we have become a benefactor of God's grace. We became a benefactor of the message of faith. Somebody told you about Christ. Somebody preached the gospel to you. Can you remember back when when you got born again, who preached the gospel to you? Can you think back to that, that life changing day? I can. It was at twenty Harville Court in Cottage Hills, Illinois. And it was in our in our children's bi- building. I remember our, our children's church teacher teaching on Jonah and the whale. And she had this might kind of Some of the youth in the front couple of rows may look at me and say, what in the world is that? Some of you sitting closer to the back might remember this. But flannel graphs, anybody remember the flannel graphs? We had Jonah and the whale flannel graphs, and they had a black light. We were high tech. We had the black light flannel graphs. And she turned off the lights, and the black light came on, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish. And I thought, oh my goodness, I do not want to be Jonah in the belly of the fish. And I got born again. And that changed. That day changed my life. I don't want to. I not want to be like Jonah running from the Lord. I remember that day. I am a benefactor of that person's ministry. The message of Christ came into my heart, and I received grace by faith that day. So that was a positive. Now there's negative as well. I, oftentimes I say, many of you who've. Uh, been around in any of my counseling meetings or classes may have heard me say this, we spend the first 18 years of our life learning how we ought to live and the rest of our lives relearning how we ought to live. You know, we we inherit sometimes those negative behavior patterns from our parents. We inherit those negative systems or cycles or hurt happens or bitterness happens. And we spend the rest of our lives figuring those things out. So sometimes we are the negative benefactor, right? Sometimes we're negative of others' choices. We are negative in the sense that we have inherited the sin of Adam. The sin of Adam passes from generation to generation to generation. This original sin is, is stuck us we are born in sin that's what David said in Psalms that, in sin my mother conceived me so regarding the choices of others knowing that we are the benefactors of those decisions knowing that we reap we have to be careful we must be wise in how we sow our lives how we sow our time our talents our resources our words it is a call to us that we have to live a life of thankfulness This law of understanding what you sow, you shall also reap, calls us to live a life of thankfulness. Paul told us in 1 Thessalonians, in everything, everybody say everything. Everything, Everything, in all things, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thankfulness leaves no room for self-pity, and it invites only those who rejoice in truth. You can't be thankful and wallow in your self-pity and your depression. When you put on thankfulness, God, I thank you for this season of life, even though it might be a hard time, even though it might be a challenging season. Lord, I thank you for this blessing that you've given me, that you're maturing me, you're developing me, you're changing me. Is anybody out there this morning? Thank you, Lord. You be clothed with thankfulness. You put on thankfulness and self-pity can't stay. Amen. It calls us to our moral responsibility that we are to love others. We are to love as God loved us. Matthew chapter 5 says, You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Those are, this is one of those verses we just want to kind of take a magic marker through. or tear out. Maybe, maybe that was interpreted wrong. This is one of those challenging verses, but it's a call. Our lives, knowing what we sow, we shall also reap, calls us to live a life that honors God, loving others. If you are a child of God and God is love, then we ought to live like him. We ought to be the best people at loving others. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. I'll try that again. We ought to be the best people around at loving others. If God is love, then that ought to overflow out of our lives as we're partaking of Him. Knowing that this law of sowing and reaping is in effect, it calls us to fully, everybody say fully. Fully. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say fully. fully. Fully rely on God. Fully rely upon God. Fully put your trust upon Him. Fully rely upon him. Matthew 6 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But what? But? But what? Seek first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So we have to learn to fully rely upon him, knowing that as we sow our lives, we're sowing, we're relying upon him. As that seed goes into the ground, we're relying upon him for the harvest. We're sowing spiritual seed, and he produces spiritual results. We are sowing spiritual seed, and he's producing spiritual results. That means that you and I cannot rely on our own solutions and our own strategies and our own insight for significance and our own insight for success. We must rely fully upon the one who brings the spiritual fruit to pass. It's our job to sow. It's our job to steward the ground and and prepare for the harvest. It's God that brings the increase. Amen. And it calls us to vigilance. It calls us to vigilance. If we know that the seed that we're sowing is going to bring a harvest, we'll be vigilant to watch out over that seed. We'll be vigilant to watch out over our lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says, Take heed to yourself and diligently, everybody say "diligently." diligently, diligently keep yourself. Keep hold of yourself. Watch yourself. We said earlier, don't walk as unwise. Walk as wise, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. What have you seen? The miracles of the Lord. What have you seen? The provision of God. What have you seen? The salvation of the Lord. What have you seen? Oh, my soul, what have you seen? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. What have you seen? What have you tasted of? Don't forget it. Remind yourself of these things. Diligently keep yourself. David said, bless the Lord. Forget not all of his benefits. Who heals your diseases and forgives all your iniquities. Don't forget what you've seen. Keep it with due diligence. Hallelujah. Lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Take what you've seen. Take the blessing of the Lord. Share those things with your kids and your grandkids. Law number two. We reap the same kind as we sow. We reap the same kind as we sow. Genesis 1-11 said, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. You reproduce according to your kind. You reap that seed that's sown is reproducing according to its kind. Now I want you to just think about with me for a moment David and Bathsheba. If you think, if you had had a meeting, if you had had a sit down with David before he committed adultery and all that he did with Bathsheba, if, if you had a sit-down with David prior to that and said, David, here's what's going to happen, buddy. You're going you're gonna to fall into failure here. You're going you're gonna to sin. You're going to have an adulterous affair. You're going to murder. You're going to lie. And walked him through. David would have absolutely denied it. He would have never thought that those things would have ever happened to him, but they happened. And before it was over, David had coveted his neighbor's wife. He had committed adultery. He had committed murder. He stole and he lied he sowed seeds to the flesh and he reaped the harvest of destruction he lost his son because of it he reaped the destruction that came from the sowing of those fleshly seeds hebrews 3:13 tells us this but exhort one another how often how often Exhort one another daily. This isn't just coming to church on a Sunday morning. Just coming to church on Sunday mornings will not sustain you in this life. Yes. This, is, this is Paul all the way back writing in Hebrews telling us that we must exhort one another daily. Daily. We have to have relationship outside of these four walls. We have to have fellowship and discipleship outside of these four walls, daily exhorting one another while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. What happens is we get it, we live in the world. We're in this world, not of this world, but we're in the world and and sinful people and carnal situations and the sin of our lives. If we don't get the word of God and someone encouraging us and exhorting us daily, what begins to happen is we turn hard-hearted. The seed has fallen on hard ground and produces no fruit in our life. As sinners, we used to sow to our flesh and we reap destruction. The law of sin and death is at work in this life. Many of you are familiar with this. You, before you came to Christ, maybe you were sowing to relationships that didn't fulfill. You were sowing to drugs or, or alcohol or addictions. Whatever it might be, you were sowing. Maybe it was a, an addiction for success in this life. Whatever the case is, you were, you were sowing seed into the fleshly carnal nature and reaping destruction you were reaping a broken family you were reaping you were reaping a broken body you were reaping emotional trauma and stress you were reaping of this carnal nature the law of sin and death but when we were born again the power of the law of sin and death was broken over our lives we can now live according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus now we are able to sow into the Spirit. We weren't able before, as sinful carnal, carnal man, to sow according to the Spirit. It wasn't in our nature. It wasn't in our in our DNA. We were of our father, the devil. There was nothing good in us. We were constantly sowing to our fleshly nature. But now that I've been redeemed, now that I've been adopted into the family of God, I now have the ability to sow according to the Spirit and to reap spiritual results. Yeah. I can sow my tithe and reap spiritual results. I can sow my words of life and they produce life in people and not death. Yeah. I, can, I can sow my resources into the spiritual world, into the kingdom of God and see lives transformed. Spiritual life. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The seed that you sow reproduces according to its own kind. You cannot sow discord and reap unity. You cannot sow hate and reap peace. You cannot sow injustice and reap righteousness. They are are opposed. You have to sow spiritual fruit. You have to sow spiritual fruit and reap the spiritual fruit. Sow spiritual seed and reap the spiritual fruit. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus called the the Pharisees a brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. So as you and I begin to sow We are sowing out of the abundance of our heart. If you are living a spiritually renewed life, out of your heart ought to be flowing the wellsprings of life. Out of your heart ought to be flowing spiritual fruit. If you're feasting and drinking of spiritual waters and spiritual food, out of you is coming spiritual life. Out of the abundance of your heart, right? Right? But if you're constantly speaking evil and negative and curses and gossip and hurt and things that tear down and destroy, the question then is what are you feasting on? What are you filling yourself with? You know, the Bible talks about the, the mind that we have to renew our mind in the word of God. We have to have a transformed, changed mind. What begins to happen is if we sow, think about this for a moment, if you're sowing thoughts of the goodness of God in your life, If you're meditating on the goodness of God, those thoughts about the goodness of God are going to move down this track into your heart. They're going to come out of your mind and they're going to move right into your heart. The meditation of the goodness of God is going to flow from your mind, moving from just a thought into the deep parts of your heart. And then out of the abundance, out of the wellspring, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak what? the meditations of your heart, the thoughts that you've been sowing. If you've been thinking on everything that's vile and evil and filling yourself with garbage on TV, filling yourself with garbage on the computer, whatever the case is. I know this is a popular message. I know it's going to be quiet in here when I'm talking about this. This is Welcome to Spirituality 101. This is basic Bible, if you fill your brain, if you're thinking on things that are of peace, of good report, that are spiritual life, and you're thinking on those things, they become the meditations of your heart. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. We're talking about sowing seeds today. If you're sowing thoughts, they're going to reap actions eventually those thoughts you're sowing are going to reap actions. If you constantly think, man, I wish I could punch my coworker; They drive me crazy. I can't believe. Oh my goodness. Guess what's going to happen? Hopefully you're not going to punch them, but you never know. You're definitely going to be at strife. Now, A great example of this. I love love this example. you got Esther. In in the story of Esther, there was a man named Haman. Everybody remember Haman? What did Haman do? He built the gallows. He built the gallows to hang all the Jews. He sowed his seed. But the spiritual seed always outweighs the seed of the flesh. He sowed his seed, and God took what he meant for evil and turned it for good. Mordecai was recognized, and Haman found himself hanging from his own gallows. You sow your seed and you will reap according to its kind. Law 3. We reap in a different season than what we sow. We reap in a different season than what we sow. Too many times, as, even as believers, we go out throughout the week and we sow, as it were, as the old saying goes, we sow our wild oats. We go out, we live how we want to live, we do what we want to do, we say what we want to say, and we come to church on Sundays and pray that God brings a crop failure. We hope that the seed we've been sowing doesn't produce the fruit that we've been sowing throughout the week. We come into church, we get down on our knees, we cry, oh God, and we, we've been taught that God's merciful and he is, but, but somehow we think that, that the fruit of our sowing throughout the week isn't going to come to pass, and, and I pray oftentimes for the mercy of the Lord, and yes, he does many, 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 many times, oh, he has mercy, but there are consequences, there is a, there is a reaping of the fruit that we're sowing. Galatians 6, 7, we read it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So if you're sowing hurt, if you're sowing fear, if you're sowing rejection, those things you're going to reap. Genesis 8, while the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will not cease. Sowing and reaping. We live in a world that's instant gratification. We live in a society that wants everything now. We live in a, in a culture that says to thine own self, be true. And we want everything now. We want pleasure and we want it now. We want what we want and we want it now. If we don't see the immediate results of our seed, we get frustrated and we, we leave the seed behind. If we don't see the results we want, well, I tithed. I gave my 10% and I'm still in, in financial hardship. Well, stop spending money that you don't have. You know, we, right, right, we, we sow and we want the result today. We sow and we reap in a different season. The result is, is we end up with people who want to reap without sowing or they want to reap an immediate result or they want to reap something different than what they sowed. Well, if you constantly are sowing hurt and hard things into people's lives, you're going to reap. But if you're sowing love and you're sowing joy, you're sowing peace, you're sowing righteousness, you're sowing the word of encouragement into people's life, you will reap that reward. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When you sow in the Lord, it may be months before you see the result of that. But know the seed's in the ground. Yeah. The miracle is in the seed. The miracle's in the seed. That little, that little tiny seed contains all the DNA. Everything that is needed to produce life and a crop after its kind is located in that seed. Get it in the ground. And the is going to happen. Amen. Get it in the ground, and a miracle's going to happen. We were talking with Chris and Alicia, and I, I think I can pick on them in this. But, but they, they are faithful stewards. They've sown and sown and sown and sown, and they're faithful in their in their. a matter of fact, they were joking. They got their, their uh, giving statement. They're like, that's got to be way too much. We, we don't even make that. If you take 10%, we don't even make that. But that's the blessing of the Lord. And they've turned around, their, their child care is taking care. Every time, this whole move, everything, God's just providing along the way for them. That's the result of sowing and reaping. Yes. Sowing and reaping. You might reap in a different season than what you've sown, but you will reap. Those who wait on the Lord, I love that, wait on the Lord and He'll renew your strength. If you're waiting on God, trusting in Him, resting, learning to rest in Him, that He is the God of the increase. He is the God of the harvest. He is developing His character and His integrity on the inside of you. He's establishing you in who He is while you wait on that harvest. God, I trust you. You begin to water that seed. You begin to nurture the ground. You, you begin to take care of, of the soil around it. You begin to sow and, and water. You begin to water and nurture that and stand on the word of God. Law number four, we reap more than we sow. You'll reap more than what you sow. One apple can have as many as 12 seeds you can't even begin to count the number of apples that come from that one seed. Amen. You'll always reap more than you sow. We'll talk about it in the next law. You'll, you'll reap in proportion to, but you're always going to reap more than what you sowed. Think about this, your words. Think about the power of our tongue. How, how small our mouth is compared to the rest of our body, but how much trouble it can get us into. <laughs> Think about how much blessing... <laughs> Think about how much blessing it carries. Think about how much blessing can come from the words that we say. And think about how much strife we can can bring as the result of what we say. James says this in chapter 3. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life as is set on on fire by hell. We can speak spiritual words of life that produce spiritual fruit. Law number five. We reap in proportion to what we sow. We reap more than what we sow, but it is always in proportion to what we sow. In Second Corinthians 9, 6, it says, But I say this, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's in proportion to. That word in the Greek in 2 Corinthians, bountifully, it's actually a play on word. It's a compound word that Paul's created, and it actually means that your collections or your offerings will be bountiful. That you will sow bountiful offerings, bountiful collections, and you will reap bountiful, bountifully in your life. In Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will men put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Proportional return. Matthew 19 through 20, Matthew 19:29. Everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold in this life and inherit eternal life both in this life the blessing of the lord will be on you in this life and you will inherit eternal life ephesians three twenty. one of my favorite scriptures now to him who is able to do super abundantly exceedingly abundantly super above it's a compound word paul can't even describe the work that god wants to do in your life he made up words You can't even describe it. He did. He literally made up words. You can't even describe what God wants to do in your life. It's super abundantly above all. All that we can ask or think in what? In proportion to, in accordance with, the power that is at work within us. Sowing the seed, taking the the deposit of God in your life, whether it's His power that's working within you, the, the resources that He's given you, you take what He's deposited and you begin to sow it, and in proportion to what you sow, you will reap. Law chapter six, or law chapter six. Law number six. Law number six. We reap the blessing only if we persevere. We will reap the blessing only if we persevere. Evil comes on its own. You will reap if you persevere. You will reap the blessing, the spiritual reward, only if you persevere. Natural law is that evil comes on its own. This world is set in order by natural, by natural law, law of sin and death. As spiritual beings, we come under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, but we have to live according to that law. We have to stay in accordance with that law. The minute that we come out from underneath that law, it's like stepping out from underneath a, an umbrella. You're going to get wet. You've got to stay under that law, you've got to operate under that law. Weeds happen naturally. You don't have to do anything to get weeds. Right? You don't have to do anything to get weeds. Evil is coming whether you want it to or not. It takes spiritual determination to continue on and reap the spiritual reward. We had our neighbor, it's funny, they have this, um, I don't even know how to describe it, out in front of their house. It's like a, it's a, supposed to be a piece of landscape, it's a large mound of dirt, I don't know, and they've got all sorts of flowers and stuff, I really don't know how to describe it, it's a unique piece of landscape, but in it they have all sorts of flowers and different things, but they also have something else growing in their flower garden, a bunch of weeds, and it was so funny, they, they came out one day, we were doing a bunch of yard work in our yard, and they were, husband and wife came out and they start pulling, they must have been out there pulling weeds for hours. I mean they had and they it looked good. They had it looking good. They they even took some of our overflow plants and planted them and I mean they had their that mound of dirt, whatever it was, looking good. The weeds were gone, they had mulch, it looked good. But then what happened? They didn't take care of it. They didn't take care of that mound. They didn't keep weeding it. They didn't keep take care keep taking care of it. And and I got back from China and it looked like a a weed farm. The, you, couldn't even see the, you couldn't even see the hostas they had planted because they were ate up with weeds. But that not that what happens in our life? There's always weeds that will grow up in our spiritual blessing. If we, if we don't maintain, if you don't maintain your life, if you don't keep your life with diligence, Well, praise the Lord, I'm born again. But you've got to keep your thoughts with diligence. Praise the Lord, I'm born again. That's all. You've got to pray in tongues daily and walk in the Spirit daily. Praise the Lord, you're born again. You've got to worship and fill yourself with the Word. You've got to keep yourself with diligence if you want to obtain the blessing that's been made available to you. God brings the increase, but it's our responsibility to take care of the farmland. He brings the harvest. He brings the crop, but it's our responsibility to take care of the farm. You know, it's funny. I grew up, we, we were surrounded by, by farmland on, th- on three sides, in the fields. And those farmers had to work that soil. I'm not a farmer. I just observed. But I could tell you, man, I could tell you when the farmers had been out because our car was covered with dust. Those combines would come through the, those things that do this and till up the ground, whatever you call all that equipment machinery. But, man, they worked the ground, and they they had a crop. Every, every season, there was a crop Full. It was overflowing. But they had to work. They had to maintain that soil. They had to maintain the ground. They had to put the nutrients in. You and I are responsible to maintain the soil of our lives, that God can produce a heavenly fruit in us. Matthew 13 says another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, what happened? His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The enemy always wants to sow doubt. He wants to sow fear. He wants to sow confusion. He's always throwing out weed seeds in your field. He wants to put a spot on your your love feast. He wants to put a spot on your faith feast. He wants to put a spot right in the middle of what God's doing in your life. It is our responsibility to keep those things that God has given us with due diligence. Let us not grow weary, Galatians 6, 9 says. In connection with our giving, in connection with our sowing, he says, don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in taking care of the seed that you've sown. Don't get weary in sowing seed. Don't get weary in maintaining the soil. Why? You will reap in due season if you do not lose heart. In God's time, you're going to reap. In the appropriate season, you will reap what you have sown. There's always weeds to come. There's weeds. There's, everybody say opposition. Let's, instead of saying weeds, let's say opposition, because we'll just call it for what it is, right? It's opposition. It's things that want to slow us down. The enemy wants to slow us down. Our sinful nature. Our sinful nature is a weed. Our sinful nature is in, in opposition to spiritual fruit. Our carnal man is in opposition to spiritual fruit. Let me say it like this. Everybody say laziness. How do you get weeds in your garden? You are lazy. You have been lulled to sleep. I'll get to it another day. I'll listen to the worship music another day. But today I want to listen to what I want to listen to. I'll put the word of God in when I want to listen to it. I'll, I'll get into the word when I feel like it. I'll, I'll, I'll be in Bible college when I feel like it. I'll sit under teaching when I feel like it. I'll get involved in ministry when I feel like it. I'll, laziness. In other words, we've lost our passion for God. What is laziness? We've lost our passion. We've lost our passion for God. Isn't that the church in Ephesus? What did Jesus write to the church of Ephesus? You've got great works. You've tested the liars. You've you've proven those who are liars. You've had great works. Good good deeds. Good job. But I hold this against you. You have lost your first love. You've lost your passion. You've allowed the enemy to sow weeds. You've allowed the enemy to sow tares. You've allowed the enemy to sow opposition in your love feast. And it's tainted. The enemy will sow opposition. The enemy will bring in weeds of doubt. Weeds where we will doubt God's promise. Weeds that will doubt God's authority. Weeds that will cause us to doubt what God has spoken over our life. Isn't that normal? Like, God gives us a word. He's given us a scripture. He's stirred in us his promise for things to come. And what is the first thing the enemy does? Well, did God really say? I mean... Do you really think that you're going to reap a harvest if you sow that? Do you really think that tithing is going to benefit your life? Do you really think that serving in ministry is going to benefit you? Do you really think? I mean, look at the people you're around. I mean, look at the people you're going to be working with. Do you really think it's going to be a blessing? Yeah. (laughs) He begins to sow doubt in what God has spoken over your life. Well, did God really say You know, sometimes, and I apologize, I just hear the Holy Spirit so loudly echoing on this for me here, but sometimes God has spoken things to us, and some of you may be here in the room that qualify for this, and I would imagine so, because the Holy Spirit's really bothering me about this. So, not in a bad way bothering me. He's just speaking and, and poking at me. But sometimes when, if you go back when you were young, God speaks to you about things As as a young person, or when you were when you were passionate, maybe it's not even an age. We'll just say when you were passionate for God and you had an ear to hear. Do y'all follow what I'm saying? When you had an ear to hear what God was saying. Now that you've moved along in life, life has happened, weeds have been sown, and you really don't hear as well because the weeds are choking out the truth. But but back in the day, when you heard. God spoke to you. If, you. if you can just sift through the weeds enough and be reminded of what God spoke to you. The enemy has sown weeds of doubt. Did God really say? Did God really speak this? And through the years, you've allowed the weeds to grow up. And I want to, if I can, just by the power of the Holy Spirit today, just remind you of what the Lord spoke when you had an ear to hear. Can I do that? Can I just say, can you be reminded today of what the Lord spoke to you when you had an ear to hear him? And what he promised you. And the word that he deposited into your life. And the things that you were hoping for. And yet somehow opposition has come. Life has happened. The weeds have grown. And God's saying today it's time to tear up the weeds. It's time to root out the, the weeds of bitterness. It's time to root out the weeds of offense that others have sown into your life. It's time to weed out the, the roots of doubt that are in your life, and trust God again. Let that passion, let that zeal for the house of the Lord burn again in your belly. As I promise you, God did say, His word will never return void. There's a seed on the inside of you that's waiting to produce a harvest. There's a seed, there's a word of the Lord that's stirring and churning under the ground on the inside of your belly. I'm prophesying over you today. There's a a seed, there's a word that God has sown into your belly that's germinating on the inside of you, that the weeds have kind of choked out the sunlight over that thing and have blocked the rain from getting to. And, And God's saying today, it's time to pull out the weeds and the harvest is due time pull out the weeds. It's harvest time, baby. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to step into the harvest that God's intended for you to have, but you've just got to get the weeds out. Got to clear those. It's harvest time for you. It's harvest time. Amen. Law seven. Actually, before I get there, I got to share this while we're talking about opposition. I really want to share this. Nehemiah chapter four. How are we doing? I'm good. Nehemiah. Isn't it awesome I can ask myself how I'm doing on time? <laughs> and I answered myself. Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4. I love this. Talking about opposition. I want to give you something. As you're facing opposition, some of you today are facing opposition, you've got to go through and weed out those weeds. Amen? Some of you got to go through and weed out those weeds of opposition today. There's a, you know... This is not an easy task to deal with weeds. It never is an easy task. Some, as you go through these weeds, it may mean that you need to go forgive somebody. As you begin to weed out these weeds, it may, need, it may mean that you need to forgive yourself. As you go through and weed out these weeds, it may mean that you need to repent. It may mean that you need to fill yourself with faith and Scripture, the Word of God again. You may need to go back and meditate again on, on what God said. And and stir up, go stir up the fountains of the deep. Go unclog the, the wells that were dug so long ago. Go 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 meditate again on the word of the Lord for your life. But in Nehemiah chapter four, we find the the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall and his wonderful enemy, Ballat. We're gonna pick up in verse seven of Nehemiah four. Uh, But Nehemiah 4, verse 7, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed. They became very angry. The enemy never wants you to progress in the things the Lord's promised. The enemy never wants you to move forward and receive the harvest that God's planned for your life. He will do everything in his power to stop the harvest of the Lord in your life. And all of them say all. all. The enemy, all of them, all the, the main dude, all the way down to his little henchmen, all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create what? Jesus. doubt. God is not the author of confusion. The enemy comes to bring confusion. Did God really say doubt? They conspired together. That's a powerful word. The enemy will always conspire to bring confusion and doubt in your life. Nevertheless, verse 9, Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. They were proactive. You cannot sit idly by in this life. If God has promised you victory and harvest you cannot lazily sit by you must be proactive then judah said the strength of the laborer is failing and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall isn't it interesting that god was calling them to do something they were physically incapable of doing been there all the time God always will call you to do something you are incapable of doing on your own. That's why we have to trust in Him. That's why the results are His, not ours. It's supernatural. But we have to be busy about what He's called us to. If God has called you into the ministry, then you need to get yourself in Bible college. If God's called you in the ministry, then you need to sit under pastoral leadership and learn what it means to be in ministry. If God's called you to lead a small group, then you need to start a small group. You need to learn. You need to come alongside of someone that's hosting or leading a group and get involved and start learning how to do that. If you feel like God's told you to be, uh, God's given you a gift of stewardship and you have the ability to be exceptional in stewardship, and that's what God's called you to. Some people have have that gift. Then get under someone who has that gift and is a is a steward, a great steward of their resources, and learn what it means to have a gift of stewardship. Begin to operate and learn in what God's given you. When God called me into ministry, well, let me back up even further than that. When I when I realized that I had a prophetic gift in my life, the one of the gifts of the Spirit was prophecy in my life. Or I had to I had to find somebody, had to begin to read the books, I had to study. Those who have been proven faithful, I had to connect with people that understood that gift and begin to mature in that gift in my life. Amen. Hello, anybody out there? You got to take. You got to take ownership and responsibility for what God's given you and begin to steward and disciple that gift. Gifts come in an instant. The harvest. When when the harvest comes, it's like overnight it happens. Suddenly it happened. We're like whoa, where'd that come from? Nobody, none of us go out and stand over a flower and say, hmm, "When you coming up? you?" I'll speak positive thoughts over you, and you'll bloom quicker. No, none of us do that. We plant the seed, and then, you know, a month later we go, "Oh, there's that plant. Wow! How look how beautiful that is." So, in verse eleven it says, "And our adversary said, "They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. And so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came, they told us ten times, From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us, so therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set people according to their families with swords and their spears and their bows, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, Remember the Lord, great and awesome, do not be afraid, remember the Lord." great and awesome and fight for your brother and your sons your daughters your wives and your houses and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing that all of us returned to the wall everyone to his work and so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears the shields the bows and wore armor and the leaders were behind all the houses of Judah and those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens Loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon, and every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built and the one who sounded the trumpet was before me. I love this. The enemy's trying to come in and stop the work of the Lord. And so our response when the enemy comes to bring opposition, tries to stop the harvest that God has intended, the first thing that we do, it says that they had a mind to work in verse 6. They the people had a mind to work. They had determination. You have to be determined to receive all that God has promised for you. You have to have determination that what God has spoken over that seed you've sown, you will reap if you faint not. You have to have determination of what God's called you to. And they prepared themselves to fight and to work. They prepared themselves to fight the enemy, and they prepared themselves to work. They had both. They, it wasn't one or the other. They were ready for whatever was to happen. You've got to prepare yourself for what God has intended for you. It's awesome. So, so if God were to bless you, if you sowed $100 today and you're expecting $100,000 or whatever in return, are you prepared to handle that? Are you prepared to handle the blessing that God wants to give you? Prepare yourself. And then it says do not be afraid of them. Take courage. Everybody say courage. courage. Take courage. When the enemy wants to bring opposition to sow weeds in your life, take courage. The boldness of the Lord is on the inside of you. I'll say that again. The boldness, the courage of the Lord is on the inside of you. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Don't let this word, Joshua, depart from your mouth. Take courage. Every piece of property that I have promised my people is coming your way. Take courage. Remember the Lord. It says, remember the Lord. Meditate on Him. Meditate on the goodness. Has He ever left you before? Has He ever left you high and dry before? Has He ever not fulfilled His promise towards you before? Remember the Lord. Remember the goodness of the Lord in your life. Don't allow the opposition. You will reap if you faint not. And law number seven. Law number seven. You can't change your past harvest, but you can do something about your future. You can't change your past harvest. If you had a bad harvest year, you can't change it. You can't change the consequences of what happened yesterday. But you can be determined to sow the seed that will produce the harvest that's needed in the future. You can't go back and change what happened. Stop judging yourself over the past failure. Stop living in fear. You can't change the harvest of what's happened. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself and realize going forward I'm sowing seed that's going to produce the fruit that's needed in my life. Don't judge your harvest according to someone else's. God didn't call you to have a harvest like someone else. God gave you seed to sow that produces a unique harvest to your life. You are a unique expression of the glory of God. Don't expect that your harvest is going to look like someone else's. I love what Paul said in Philippians 3, not that I've already obtained this or been perfected, but I press on. Press on. I press on to take hold. I can't worry about what, what the harvest looked like yesterday. I can't worry about what the harvest looked like two years ago. All I have control over is what I'm sowing into the ground today. All I have, I, listen, you know, you might be saying with regard to your finances, you know, I've not tithed, I've not honored the Lord with my first fruits. You can't change your past. Start today. Put your offering in the offering box. Start sowing your seed today. I, you know, I've blown it. I've said things that were hurtful or, or wrong. And, and, I, and I regret what I've said. Listen, stop living there. You can't change the past. Repent if you need to repent. Apologize if you need to apologize. Ask for forgiveness if you need to ask for forgiveness. And start sowing the seed today of spiritual life. You can't change your past harvest. And the other thing I'll say to you: Why on earth do we feel like we're failures all the time? Consider for a moment where you were when Christ called you. Oh, I can't believe I didn't have my harvest wasn't this big. I want a harvest that big, and I want this, and and I should have gotten this and this and. What do we do? We compare ourselves all the time, and we feel like failures all the time. Stop. Consider where you were, you foolish thing. Isn't that what Paul says? For you see your calling, brethren, that not many of you were wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen what? The foolish, the foolish things, the verse, the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things, 1 Corinthians 1. God's chosen the foolish things and the weak things of the world. He's chosen you. You were foolish. You are foolish. You are weak. Weak foolish things God chose you and he's perfecting you and he's changing you. You were you were a failure. You were full of everything evil. You were full of everything vile. And God placed his hands on you. He grabbed you up by the collar of your neck and pulled you up out of the pit of despair, out of depression, out of anxiety, out of worry, out of sin, out of fear. Out of... He's pulled you up out of all of that stuff. So how is it that you're a failure? You've been identified with the name of Christ. You're a joint heir with Christ. You feel the ugly thing. Stop calling yourself a failure. That's of your old carnal nature. Yeah. Come on. That's of your old, old carnal nature. You can't change. You can't change yesterday's harvest. Ben band can go ahead and come back. You can't, you can't change yesterday's harvest. But you can do something about tomorrow's. Amen. I found this. I thought this was interesting. I'll share it with you. There are two days in every week which we should not worry about. Two days that should be kept from fear and apprehension. Some of you are thinking, only two? (laughs) What about the others? One of those days is yesterday, with its mistakes and cares, its aches, its pains, its faults, and its blunders. Yesterday has passed forever beyond our control. All the money in the world cannot bring it back. We cannot undo a single act from yesterday. We cannot erase a single word we said. The other day we should not be worried about is tomorrow, with its possible adversities, It's burdens, it's promises, it's neglects. Tomorrow is beyond our control. That leaves only one day, today. Matthew 6, 11 says, give us today our daily bread. Every day, today, you have manna for today, not tomorrow. You have sustenance for today, not tomorrow or yesterday. It is not the experience of today that drives men mad. It is the remorse over something that happened yesterday, Thank you for joining the Celebration podcast. For more information, visit ccakron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, so